0: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the program. We start off today with something you'll be hearing a lot of in the weeks to come, interviews with candidates who are on the ballot for the June primary. This one is particularly uh, interesting to me. It's someone I've known for a long time, and it's always great to see somebody who has spent years in broadcasting, attempt to grow up and get a real job. So I'm uh, very pleased to welcome our next guest. He is a recently announced Republican candidate for Congress in the 13th Congressional District. Terry Martin is here with us this afternoon. Terry, great to have you on the program. Welcome.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Jim. I appreciate uh, having my first interview as a candidate with you.
0: <laughs> well, it is great to have you here and uh, and, and great to uh, to see you uh, in this race. It is a crowded primary on both the Democratic and Republican side. So let me just start by asking what made you decide to jump into this race and seek that nomination in the 13th congressional district?
1: Well, in part, it was because of redistricting. Uh, I'm in the 13th district. Rodney Davis was moved out, so there's no incumbent. And I was just uh, increasingly concerned about the direction of the country and thought with 30 years of covering national issues and state issues, I really had a lot of experience that I could bring to the table as a candidate and put forth my ideas before the people.
0: It's a district that was ostensibly drawn to favor Democrats. It is one of the most wildly gerrymandered districts, uh, perhaps anywhere in the country. Uh, Do do you feel like it's an uphill climb to try to uh, win the GOP nomination and then run as a Republican nominee in a district that is supposed to favor Democrats?
1: I do feel it's an uphill climb, uh, but I also think that this year, Uh, for all the reasons that I think the listeners would know. The price of food at the grocery store, the price of fuel when you put try to gas up your car, Uh, just some of the crazy things we've seen happening, the open border, the mess of withdrawing from Afghanistan. I think there's a lot of angst among the voters that they don't think, and we see this in the polling, uh, they don't think the country is going in the right direction. So I think it's a real opportunity for the Republicans to win what ostensibly was drawn by the Democrats to be a solid Democratic uh, district.
0: I, I want to jump right into uh, some of the issues. You uh, have laid out a bunch of them on your uh, social media account, things that would be a priority for you in this campaign. And I want to start with spending. You, you talk about uh, the uh, federal spending that's going on. Obviously, we know we have a continuing problem with federal debt and, and deficit spending. Uh, but where would you cut? What would you do to try to get that spending under control?
1: Well, Jim, one thing most people don't realize, about 65 percent of the federal budget is not even controlled by the Congress. Uh, It's the entitlement programs, uh, welfare programs, and the interest on the national debt. So the problem we have is when you go to cut, only 19 cents of every dollar outside of defense is controlled by the Congress. So we have a real problem, but we're going to have to do something about it. So we're going to have to put some controls in there to try to halt the spending. When I was with C-SPAN covering the Senate uh, back about 30 years ago, you know, we had Newt Gingrich come in for the first time. The Republicans took the House for the first time in 40 years. And what they did was just control the spending. I tapped the brakes so we weren't growing so fast in our spending, and it allowed the economy to grow and bring in more revenue. And that ended up producing four years of a federal budget in which we had an actual surplus. We had the national debt go backwards. So it's controlling spending, not necessarily cutting it, but not not having automatic increases.
0: Would you uh, put those sorts of caps on entitlement spending, for example, uh, things like Social Security and Medicare? Uh, would you cap or reduce those areas of spending? I think when we say cut spending that people
1: think you have to do without. I think that what we can do is cut spending by getting better prices for what we're paying for. So I think it was a mistake under George Bush not to have uh, be able to have price comparisons on pharmaceuticals. We ought to have that. We ought to have competition. And that would bring down the price of Medicare spending without necessarily cutting any services. So that's one small example. You know, one of the things I covered when I was freshly uh, up on Capitol Hill covering the uh, Congress was the Kerry Danforth Commission on Entitlement Spending back, and this was around 1995. And Bob Kerry and Jack Danforth, uh, two senators on both sides of the aisle. But they worked together, and the, and the fear was that the way we're spending on entitlement spending is going to bankrupt the country down the road. So we might look at things uh, for wealthy Americans. Do they really need to be getting Social Security checks? So there's, there's a variety of reforms. You can't just quickly pull this out. It's a very complex issue. What we do need to have, I think, is another uh, commission, because that was 30 years ago, and say, where are we now? But I can tell the viewers— or your, your listeners, that every year the trustees of the Medicare program say this is not sustainable, and if we don't make changes, it's going to go bankrupt. Dick Durbin said the same thing to me.
0: Speaking of means testing, uh, President Biden out today with the budget that includes on the revenue side a tax surcharge on people making over $100 million in a year. What do you think of that idea?
1: Oh, I think it's a gimmick. I think it's for political purposes. Uh you know, I am not against people being wealthy, and most people who are wealthy and we, you know, made their money. Here's the thing I would say simply. if you, Most people would agree that the private sector spends money more efficiently than the public sector. So every time we take money away from the private sector and put it to the public sector, we're taking it from the most efficient part of the economy and putting it into the least efficient part of the economy. Uh, Government wastes a whole lot of money, and they do it consistently. There again, this is where, uh, in fact, President uh, Truman, when he was a senator, saved billions of dollars because he ran a commission that looked into how the government spent money and made reforms. We certainly need that. There is entirely too much waste in the way federal government spends our money.
0: Talking with Terry Martin, Republican candidate for Congress in the 13th congressional district. He's one of four Republican contenders for that seat. Another area you uh, you mention in your uh, sort of a statement of candidacy on social media has to do with border control. Now, I would note that in the uh, the last set of numbers that I saw for uh, for fiscal year 2021, it said we had a record number uh, of detentions last year. Uh, so so clearly we're we're apprehending a lot of people. What what needs to change? What would you do different? to try to get a better handle on border crossings and people coming into our country?
1: I would do two things. One, I would finish the wall. Uh, We already paid for it, and it was working. And I would also go back to the Trump policies of those who are waiting to have their cases disposed of uh, should be waiting in Mexico. That made a lot of sense. Now what we do is we let them go, and we never see them again. Uh, So not only does that cost the taxpayers a lot, it just puts tremendous strains on our schools and our hospitals and our counties uh, along the southern border. And frankly, these days, every city in America is faced facing the the crime and drugs. We've lost reportedly over 100000 people from fentanyl deaths in about the last 18 months. That's more than we lost in Vietnam over 15 years of fighting. That has to stop. Uh, We're just losing the country with this. And then the other thing I would say is after we seal the border or put in legitimate controls, we need to rewrite our immigration. The fact of the matter is what's going to harm economies going in the future in Japan and Europe, as well as it could be in America, is a lack of population growth. So in some ways, we need the people coming in because we're just not reproducing enough. But we need to be able to control who's coming in. We should know whether they're someone who's bringing skills or if they're an MS-13 gang member. Right now we have no controls over that and immigration shouldn't be take as long to be given uh, permission and it shouldn't be as expensive to be able to come into the United
0: States. You also list as a top priority election security, and yet, realistically, there's very little documented uh, election fraud every year. No indication that it would have had any uh, impact on, say, the 2020 election, or in most elections for that matter. Why is that a a big issue for you, and what would you intend to do about it?
1: Well, because we just look, look at the last number of elections. In 2016, Hillary Clinton said the election was stolen. In 2020, Trump said the election was stolen. We need to be able to trust that the people that we elect, whoever they are, were legitimately elected. And we want to make sure that the controls—we shouldn't have some of these secretaries of state deciding they're going to change election laws when it was the regulations of the state legislature. So we need to have election day, not election month, not election week. You can be filing your, your uh, ballots early if you want, uh, but we want to be able to have an election— where win, lose, or draw, the citizen of the United States can say this is the guy who legitimately won the election, By guy or gal. You
0: you don't think we can say that now? Because the election was certified in all 50 states, the 2020 election. Again, no evidence of widespread voter fraud. I got to ask, do you think Joe Biden won the 2020 election? I'm willing
1: to say Joe Biden won the election, but that's not to say there wasn't uh, widespread evidence of voter fraud. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Where,
0: where was that evidence? Because, again, uh, the in election, Wisconsin and Arizona and Pennsylvania. The election was certified in all 50 states, and yes, uh, Jim, Jim, w- well, who's who's been charged with all this election fraud you're talking about? I'm sorry? Who's been charged with all this election fraud you're talking about? These are ongoing investigations out there. Well, but that doesn't mean that there's actual evidence that voter fraud was no, committed. There, there I guess,
1: is evidence. I mean, it, it's just like saying there's no evidence about someone uh, – bad analogy. There is evidence of election fraud and election miscarriages. I mean, we have – in the United States, we have had a long history of elections, uh, fraud and elections being – you know, It's actually minimal uh, in the the ballot cases
0: box. every year. I, I guess I, I, I'm i just – this is something that gets thrown out there a lot. Well, look, As you said, have, there's a lot
1: of – po- Go ahead. We have things like uh, blockchain technology that's coming along. We have ways that we can, you know, we need to take this seriously and we haven't. We go into these uh, elections and there's too much uh, in Chicago. Who's going to say there hasn't been election fraud in Chicago over the uh, decades? Uh, So this is something that we can address. We should address it. We need to have better accountability. Uh, There's been there's been all kinds of uh, malfeasance that's been reported.
0: Terry, before we let you go, uh, part of your resume, in addition to your years working in broadcast TV, you know, working for C-SPAN. You have also for years run the Illinois Channel, which is sort of a a statewide public affairs equivalent of C-SPAN. What's the current status of of that? Are, Are you stepping away from that while you're campaigning? What's what's happening there?
1: You know, it's kind of like uh, Paul Simon, who was a publisher of newspapers and ran for office. Um, I'm still, let's say, the publisher, you might say. Uh, but um, we're covering, as we as we largely have before anyway, uh, events. So it's a, maybe a press conference. or uh, We did a lot of coverage this week federally now, which I can go back to what I did in C-SPAN uh, with Judge Jackson and the hearings in the U.S. Senate. Uh, so we're doing event coverage. I am not covering myself. Uh, I'll start a different channel for my campaign, but uh, the only time I would cover the 13th district would be if I was appearing as a candidate on a panel or in a debate with others. Otherwise, uh, Terry Martin running for Congress is not going to be part of the Illinois channel coverage.
0: Terry Martin is a Republican candidate for Congress in the 13th congressional district. How do people learn more about your candidacy?
1: Well, Jim, we're putting together. uh, They can follow me on Twitter, and that's uh, at... uh, at sign Terry Martin 2022. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Terry Martin for the 13th District. And we are about to publish uh, our website, Terry Martin for Congress.com. You can take that URL down. We don't have it published yet, but it should be up and posted in just a day or two.
0: Terry, listen, really appreciate your time. Best of luck to you. Stay in touch through the campaign. Look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Thank you, Jim.